We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, let's move on to the daily mailbag. And we obviously have a lot more questions about Dylan Edwards, about Notre Dame recruiting and all types of other things. But I want to start off here with a super chat from John Bertucci, who just said, go Irish. We appreciate you, John, very, very much. And we've had a lot of questions, Ryan, before we get to the other super chats about quarterback recruiting. And Ray Pancone is really, really wanting to know uh, if there's any news on the possible quarterbacks. And then Ray also said, uh, that Notre Dame doesn't need a quarterback in this class, but we should. They should want one. I'm going to actually disagree with that. I actually do still think need is how I would define quarterback. Now, yeah. if you don't get one, are there other options? Yes, grad transfer. Sure. Right, sure. there are things you can do, but I don't know if that's necessarily ideal. I would rather do that than be in a situation, however, where you're taking a guy just to fill a to fill a depth spot. You don't do that. You don't take a guy just because you need someone because now you've committed to a scholarship for four years with a kid that you don't think can play. But I do right. think need, it's still a need. And and they need to try to find a guy that can play out because there's a lot to say, well, they don't need one because they got Tyler Buckner and CJ Carr. That You can't do it that way. We both love CJ Carr. Notre Dame loves CJ Carr. But we've seen guys that everybody loved coming out of high school not pan out, get hurt, mm-hmm. tr- go somewhere else. I mean, there's all types of things that could happen that you can't guarantee who CJ, who's yet to take a snap as a junior in high school, is going to be that guy. You right. you have to prepare for let's go get a guy that can win this year. And and then if CJ beats that kid out, then CJ is as good as we thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Or if that kid beats CJ out, then this kid maybe is a little better than you think he is. Either way, it's a win. So yes. I do think quarterback is still a need in regard to what where things stand, obviously Kenny Minchie is a top target. I don't think that's something that's going to necessarily happen soon. I think Kenny is is committed to Pitt. He's been committed to Pitt for a while. I think that Notre Dame is going to continue to try to push, but I think they're also going to expand the board and 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 say, hey, look, we you're our guy. We want you, but we also have to – we need a quarterback in this class. So we're going to have to yep. go look at other guys. So I'd be very curious to see if Notre Dame can convince Kenny Minchie to visit in September. 
for one of those games or maybe an early October game uh, against mid-October game against Stanford would be another potential to, to see if they could get him to, to visit. But I would imagine they'll also try to push some other kids because this is a very deep quarterback class and you'd be foolish not to not to try to get a kid from this class. And, and we'll, we'll get into that, obviously, as we get into the season. But uh, so it's Kenny Minchie's the target now, but I also do believe from what I've been told that Notre Dame is, is also sort of scouring the nation for other quarterbacks. Either guys that are committed somewhere else or guys that are uncommitted. Both uh, categories are are what they're looking for. So, Ryan, I, I think I saw from you shaking your head that you agree yeah. with the sentiment that Notre Dame still needs a quarterback in this class. I, I mean, I've been on record with that, right? I mean, it's, it is something where this quarterback class is just too good not to tap into, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't think – and look, Notre Dame has missed on a quarterback in this class. They've missed on – Twice. Twice, right. I mean, yeah, I was going to say multiple in this class. And that's a shame, but the fact of it is is that there's a lot of depth to this class. So there's not just two quarterbacks in this entire class that Notre Dame likes, right? Like there's a lot of guys out there that I think can play really good football on the next level. So mm-hmm. I I think it's a little nearsighted to just say like, uh, you just give up. It's not in the cards. It, make it in the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Now that you have – Dylan Edwards in this class. And if you do close on a Jeremiah Love and Ronan Hannafin sometime this month, then you're like, hey, quarterback A, quarterback B, whatever quarterback that you choose to target. We right now we know it's Kenny Minchie. Why would you not want to throw to Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse and right. hand the ball off to J- Jaden Lamar and Jeremiah Love and all these guys? And I mean it's Jadarian it's Price easy. and Tobias right. Merriweather and Eli oh, Raritan and Holden Stace. Right. 100 percent Oh, and also we have a pretty good offensive line group that yeah. we've signed in this class as well. That's going to yeah. be blocking for you. And a lot of talent that's already on the roster right. offensive line wise. So, and you have the best good... offensive line coach in college football. Yep. To coaching those guys up. Right. Yep. And it's, you, it's, you wrote, that article you wrote sell. this week was really interesting, Ryan, because it, it, it is kind of fascinating. And, and you mm-hmm. have to wonder like, what's the deal? Because Notre Dame hasn't really had problems recruiting quarterback in the past. Uh, they haven't. And this is something I've argued people a ton about. Charlie didn't have any problems with it. Brian Kelly didn't have any problems with recruiting talented quarterbacks. We I mean, got Ever Golson in 11. You got Gunnar Keel in 2012. You know, 2013, you got Malik Zaire. You got Deshaun Kaiser in 14. You got Brandon Wimbush in 15. You got mm-hmm. uh, you got Phil Dracovic in 18. You got Tyler Buckner in 21. You, you've had a lot of a lot of talented quarterbacks. Development's been a big of a big of an issue. Is it that? Is it right. the, the development thing is finally hurting them? Uh, is it is it because they they did ride Dante's silent commitment for so long that they're now just out of with other top kids? Is it is it CJ Carr being committed? It's kind of like, I don't know if I want to go there. And, you know, that hurt Ohio State with some guys. Right. I don't want to go to the school that they already have Dylan Rayola committed. So they went and found a you know, a kid in. in um, oh, what's that? Brock Glenn that was you know willing to compete with them. Notre Dame sure. liked Brock Glenn, but decided not to go there. And I think part of it was it was pretty clear that if Ohio state gave him the, the red, the green light that he was going to take that, mm-hmm. but you got to wonder what it is because I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, Tommy Reese, we, we talked about in this off season, what is it going to look like if Tommy Reese is given a legitimate recruiting staff and this is what it looks like, right? Well, now he's got to get his position, <laughs> you know, and he did for a while. He did. Uh, you know, they, they had a, a guy that I believe is the number one quarterback in the, cl- in the country committed. Things didn't work out, and now they're trying to scramble. But it, it, the one thing he's got going for him is he can, you know, he 
it's kind of like I, I think of like playing poker, right? And you've got your cards, and they can't see it, and you kind of flip them over. It's like you know, just laying these great cards out. It's like okay, here's Braylon James, Jane Greathouse, you know, Rico Flores, Dylan Edwards, Jaden Lamar. You know, if you can get Jeremiah Love, and if you can get uh, you know Ronan Hannafin, and we don't even talk about Cooper Flanagan. You noted that He's in your piece player. too. Who's a top yeah. one hundred and fifty player? Yeah, from one of the player. best high schools in in, in America, uh, high mm-hmm. school programs in America, we don't even talk about him anymore. And, and which he's says also, a lot. And he's a two way player too, right? Where it's right. like he doesn't get a high volume as a pass receiver because of the offense that Dave LaSalle runs. But at worst, you know that Cooper Flanagan is going to come in. He's going to be a dominant run blocker. Like mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mark, Mark Stallman has a great comment. He goes, remember earlier in the year when we were wondering when the offense would start landing players? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd crazy. say they've recovered. Now, again, they got to close, right? Because this is a sure. really good offensive class. But it can't be elite without a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I still think they need one of the other two for it to truly be elite, in my opinion. I, I really do think okay. they need one more. But this is out. This is going to be one of the five to seven best offensive classes in the country if they can get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If they get a quarterback and one more of Love and or Hannafin, then I think they're top three to four. If they get both, I don't see anybody beating them if they can also get a quarterback, a, a, a decent quarterback in this class. I mean, to, to your to your mantra, right? Gap closing. The offensive class has closed the gap on the defensive class. The defensive class sure. is still edging still, them out, of course, because yep, no it's question. fantastic. Right. But they right. have closed the gap for what was a worry at one point. It really was. If they get Jeremiah Love and Ronan Hannafin, that conversation changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would say, depending on who they get at quarterback, we could really have a conversation about it. We but they would have, have to literally have the inside straight. I mean, they would literally have to get a Kenny Minchie caliber quarterback. They'd have to get Ronan Ronan Hannafin and Jeremiah Love for me to say it's as good because I think that's the best defensive class in the country. I don't, that, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's going to end up being close. To be honest with you, 
And Brian, if that does happen, I think we just created a great podcast topic for one day. So. Right. There you go. That'll be a really fun conversation. That's going to be a long show. Yeah. Uh, I, I have I have a feeling. I have a feeling. All right. We've got some more questions here. Robert Jarowski. I'm sorry, Robert. I butchered that. I apologize. Haven't seen you chat in a while, so we're happy to have you back. He says, I believe this recruiting class is better than any class Lou Holtz ever had. Your thoughts. That is wow. I can't go there. I can't either. Just because, number one, I was 12 when they signed the 1990 class. So it's hard for me to sit there and pound on the table and say, Robert, you're wrong. It's the 1990 class. I would say if they just keep what they have now and add a quarterback, this is without question their best recruiting class of the modern recruiting the recruiting era, which I think kind of began around in 02 when the recruiting services kind of came out. That's when I really started following recruiting to, to the degree where I followed it nationally. And I could actually stack their class up against somebody else's. Does it compare to the 1990 class? I mean, that's a different conversation for me because I don't know necessarily where all those guys were ranked coming out. You know, and that's that's kind of the, the, the problem for me. I can tell you who those guys were and what they became. And then that makes it even more unfair to have this conversation. Because it's a, a hindsight versus foresight. Right. Because you're talking about that yeah. class had multiple Hall of Famers in it. Right. I mean, the 1990 class, which Lou Samoji, who the reason I always bring Lou up in this, because there is no better person to rely on for this kind of conversation than Lou Samoji. And that's like, that's true for a lot of conversations. But you know, he ranked this as the number two class ever. And the, the, the number one class was like something in like the 60s or 40s. I don't have to find I don't have to find where Lou had that other one, but it was like, okay, that's just I, I really can't go there yet. His number one class was the 19 uh the 1946 class, which is the one that went undefeated their entire career. Oh, you don't remember the 1946 no, class? No, I do not. Come on, Sorry. Come on. I know I suck. I don't even know why. <laughs> why am I here? I'm out. Um but had some names on it, like, you know, Leon Hart and Emil Sitko and, and guys like that. But that class literally finishes finished their careers in their name undefeated with three national championships. It's crazy. You know, but but Lou, but Lou kind of looked at the classes from a how they turned out standpoint. But what he also used to tell me was the 1990 class was also ranked really high coming in. There was a lot of parade All-Americans. Because if you remember, Notre Dame was coming off of a stretch of two years where they finished 24 and 1 and won a championship and finished number two and their only loss was to the number one team in 89 they you know they when this class signed and a lot of these guys committed Notre Dame had just beaten Colorado number one Colorado in the Orange Bowl 21 to 6 and had finished a season where they beat seven they went seven and one that year against teams that finished the year in the top 25 and I believe five of them finished in the top 10 five of their wins were against teams in the top 10 that was just insane Crazy. And and so they signed that 1990 class. It had Kevin McDougal at quarterback, Jerome Bettis at running back, Jeff Burris was part of that class, Lake Dawson, Clint Johnson, Oscar McBride, Aaron Taylor, Tim Ruddy, Bryant Young. You're literally the entire starting defensive line on the 93 team was from that class. It was Bryant Young, Jim Flanagan, Oliver Gibson, and Brian Hamilton. Pete Bursich was a starting linebacker on that team who played a lot of years in the NFL. You had Jeff Burris and Tom Carter at cornerback. Both first round draft picks. You also had Greg Lane, John Covington, Willie Clark, and Lashane Sadler. You had two All Americans in that class, like, or excuse me, two Hall of Famers in that class. Mm -hmm. Now, according to Lou, that class was also the best, 
the best class that Lou ever signed be, coming out. So that's that's that that's the only reason I point to '90s because that's the one I've actually talked to to me the greatest Notre Dame historian that ever lived, and I truly believe that uh, in Lou Samoji is that was the best class coming out of of his life of because he he wasn't alive when the '46 class got put together. So like his lifetime and of the Lou era, he said that was like there was a bunch of because back then it was the prayed all Americans. That was like the big thing. That was being like a five star top fifty player. It was like were you a prayed all American? And they signed a bunch of guys that were parade all Americans. I'm actually curious. Sometimes in these things, he would actually put how many of those guys were parade all Americans, but I don't know if he did that in that class. But that class had that class went 31, five and one, finished uh, ranked fourth and second at the end of their careers. Remember, the 93 team uh, finished 12 and one. So that was a heck of a class. So I, I don't know if I can go with you on it's better than any class that Lou Holtz ever signed. I'd have a hard time going with you on that one. I mean, there were there was classes at Notre Dame that Lou Holt signed that had Ricky Waters in it and Rocket Ismail in it, and I mean some some great players. But the fact that I am in even entertaining your question to the point where I felt like it warranted an answer instead of just laughing at you, which is like if you'd have brought that up like you know three years ago about a Notre Dame class, I'm like, come on, dude, this isn't we're, this is a comedy hour. What are we talking about here? The fact that Robert's question deserved thinking about and addressing speaks volumes to how good this class is again. And we don't know what it's going to turn out to be just looking at it from a ranking standpoint. I mean, you've got, you've got over half, I believe. So there's 23 kids in the class now. Mm -hmm. So you've got Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Keon Keeley, Bubakar Traore, uh, uh, Brennan Vernon, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, Micah Bell, Christian Gray and Peyton Bowen, that's 12 of their 23 commits are all ranked as top hundred recruits by at least one recruiting service. It's insane. So that's a nuts class. I mean, that's a nuts class. So yes, I do think it at least warranted being discussed because no name just has never been here before. And they've definitely never been here early. And the 2013 class is the closest thing to it. I mean, they signed like three or four or five stars that year. You know, Eddie Vanderdose was a top 10 player. Jalen Smith was a top 10 player. Greg Bryant was ranked as a five-star by one. Max Redfield was a top 20 player, five-star. You had Will Fuller, Malik Zaire. I mean, that was a Cole Luke. That was a great class. But that class finished strong. I mean, you got Max in January. You got Greg Layton, you know, in the fall. You got Eddie Vanderdose on signing day, then lost him. This class has got these guys early, and I think that's what kind of makes it uh, – it, it just makes it a little bit nuts. Yeah, it makes it a little bit nuts. Got another super chat from Paul Rose. Paul is uh what is who I was referring to earlier. Mm-hmm. He is from that area, so he has seen Dylan Edwards places. Looking forward, thank you for the super chat, Paul. Looking forward to watching Dylan play his senior season here in Derby, then watching him play in South Bend next year. Go Irish. And Paul is also the person I was referring to that was constantly pestering me about why doesn't our name off this offer this kid? Why didn't so good call, Paul. Good call. Uh there, there's no doubt about it. I just want to know after Dylan went eight, what, 8.9 yards per carry and over 12 as a junior, what's his mm-hmm. encore? Is he going to average like 16 yards a carry as a senior? Is that what's going to Seriously. happen? <laughs> Seriously. Absolutely. Um, got We got some more here. A lot of, lot of good stuff here. Uh, Mike Michael says, Minchie has not expressed interest publicly besides tweeting the offer. You are correct, Mike. He has yep. not expressed interest publicly other than the offer. I will say this, that the, the tweeting of the offer was uh, – 
if you know the backstory, there's not a lot I can say, but if you know the backstory, you understand that was his version. That was his way of saying, I'm interested. Yes. Now, where, where will it go? That remains to be seen. Uh, I have a, a, a good buddy of mine who used to coach high school football in Tennessee that has told me that there is legitimate interest there. Will it be enough legitimate interest to get him to flip? That we don't know yet. But there is some interest there. And he would not have tweeted that if there wasn't. Because Notre Dame would not have officially offered him if he didn't express to them that he was willing to listen. That was a condition of, because like if you're Notre Dame, we're not going to offer you if you're not interested. Then we look like we're just scrambling and begging quarterbacks to come. So, uh, which makes it a smart, I mean, that's smart. It's a smart recruiting strategy. And if you look at Kenny Minchie's Twitter, and I know some of you love doing that stuff. So like you can, if you want, he doesn't really tweet much at all so you know and, and he does it it's like retweeting something that somebody one of his pit recruits something like that so yeah. uh yeah it's just yeah it's not a it's not something i would spend a whole lot of time worrying about yeah. don't overanalyze it yeah no and just just don't try to get a feel for what a kid is thinking these are teenagers on twitter like they're not looking at twitter the way you are so uh i just would encourage you not to like not to be that person Ray Pancone with a super chat. Ray, thank you very much. He asked, is Avery Johnson not interested? As far as I know, he is not. Uh, Now, I know that Notre Dame has expressed interest in Avery. Uh, How far has that interest gone in conversations? That I do not know. But I do know that they have expressed interest in him since in the last month or two, before and since he's committed to Kansas State. Does that mean that it's really gone anywhere but beyond that? As far as I know, it has not. I mm-hmm. do believe that Notre Dame really likes Kenny Minchie a lot. And when Avery got the offer and Kenny didn't, you were going off sophomore film, and the fact is, is Avery was a better player as a sophomore. Kenny Minchie made a big jump as a junior, big jump as a player, and and that kind of changed things a little bit. But, yes, they would definitely be interested in, in Avery Johnson. Like there's no question. If he was interested in Notre Dame, they'd be willing to talk to him and and try to get him back on campus for a visit. So uh, it's definitely a guy that I would uh, keep my eye on for that one. Corey Kelly says, what are the chances we're fine with Buckner until CJ is ready? Not a long shot, honestly. Buckner would need to stick around, though. Uh, So, Ryan, I mean, I think it's it's possible. It's possible. Well, I think I think that people talk about this transition, right, Brian? It's like if Buckner's really good and then CJ turns out to be really good, that's a very smooth and easy transition from one to the other with like how they're spaced out a 2021 kid and a 2024 kid. Like that makes total sense from a gap perspective. I just think if you don't if you don't get a good player in 2023, you're putting a lot of lot of pressure on CJ Carr being that guy, right? And I think that it's you talked about hitting a target earlier, right? It's like if you have more shots to hit a target, mm-hmm. you have a better chance of hitting it, right? I mean, that's just right. pretty common sense. The more right. arrows you have, the better chance you have hit, of hitting a bullseye. So I just don't want – it's the margin for error thing right. that I'm always talking about. Like I don't want to make it a very small margin for error, right? Like I want to give myself options, if that makes sense. I mean, because if you didn't do that, if Alabama didn't do that, then they would have tried to win a national championship in 2020 with a true freshman, Bryce Young, a quarterback who weighed a buck 80. Yep. Right. Cause they still took Mac Jones, even though they had Tua in the same class, even mm-hmm. though they had, they you know got Tua, you saw Mac Jones, 
he served as that bridge, a pretty darn good freaking bridge, you know, between between Tua and when Bryce was ready to go. And, you know, not a lot of people would have thought that, right, early on, especially when Mac's first start was what, against Auburn, and he threw a couple pick sixes. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of people like, oh, man, I can't wait. There's a lot of people saying, I can't wait till Bryce Young gets here, you know, uh, and starts as a true freshman, and look what happened. You never know how guys are going to progress. And 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 then sometimes it's like, no, you know, you got the Kelly Bryant bridge, and it's like, mm-hmm. no, we need the freshman to play. That's why it's to me, it's important to make sure you get the best player you possibly can year after year because you, you want guys who can go out there and compete. So now I will say this to Ryan's point, is it possible take away recruiting strategy aside that it goes from Buckner to CJ Carr? I think that's what a lot of people at Notre Dame are expecting. And sure. I and I it's just I also think the coaches in Notre Dame are smart enough to know that. We're going to be even better if we bring in somebody to compete with CJ. What well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it easy on CJ Carr right, either. Exactly. Like, I want to. Push and CJ Carr doesn't want it made easy on him. It doesn't sure. make him better. Uh, you're absolutely right, Ryan. No, don't make it easy on him. That's not how this isn't the NFL where you draft your quarterback in the first round and then you know you, your roster's built around that. College football is not that way. You need to keep recruiting good players. And to to Ryan's point. It, you need to make CJ earn it because that's how CJ becomes the best player he can be, Ryan, because he has to go battle a really good quarterback to replace Tyler Buckner. It's well, it's even like what we're talking about with the Tyler Buckner Drew Pine fall battle, right? It's like, do we necessarily think that that's a real battle? I, I think that we both think that it's going to be pretty convincingly Tyler Buckner at the end, but at the end of the day, you don't want it to be easy on Tyler Buckner and just hand him something that he hasn't earned, you know, in, 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 to that degree. So I'm always in favor of competition, especially at the quarterback position. Like it's internally driven so much that I want to put some outside pressure as well. So mm-hmm. yes, agree. A few more questions here. Jeremiah, Jeremy Snell, 24 says, how are we feeling about uh, Jeremiah Love and Ronan Hannafin? Uh, Ryan, you want to just yeah. take a crack at uh, where things stand with Jeremiah Love and then I'll kind of give the latest of what I know about Ronan Hannafin. Yeah, so I talked to Jeremiah Love after his visit to Texas A&M last weekend, and I am under the impression that Notre Dame is still the clear leader, but I do think that Texas A&M did have a big mm-hmm. impact on him during that right. weekend. So I think other schools are doing a nice job to kind of close that gap, but the point of it is is that there is still a gap, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it is a recruitment that I've talked to Jeremiah several times about this, he wants to be committed before the season starts right. and he has a game late in August, right? So this right. one is closing in the pretty near future. So if Notre Dame is still the leader right now, I still feel really, and they are to my knowledge, I still feel really good about where they are because other programs are running out of time and now we're in a dead period. Yeah. So I think that Ronan Hannafin would also like to have the decision made before senior season but it's the same thing it's been for a while. He's having a hard time saying no to Notre Dame and Clemson. He's got to pick somebody. He's got to step up to the plate and, you know, put his big boy pants on and make a decision, right? And and I hope that that comes soon. I've been asked who the leader is, and I say, well, it depends on who you talk to and depends on what day. And that's where I think it is. I think there's days Ronan Hannafin wakes up and says, you know what, I think Clemson's where I want to go. And then I think the next day he wakes up and says, I think Notre Dame is where I want to go. And then it just, it's that. And I think that's kind of his issue. And what he likes about both schools is pretty different. Mm-hmm. 
what I know of the situation, I, I kind of feel like based on what he's looking at, Notre Dame should be the easy choice, but there's just something about Clemson that he likes, and and I don't quite get it, but it's not my position to get or not get. This is Ronan's life, right? And and it's not like it's a bad choice. It's two pretty good football programs. I think one's ascending and one's descending, but at the end of the day, it's not like Clemson descending means they're going to be six and six when he's a senior. I don't see that. You know, I just don't think they're a title contender anymore, in my opinion, at least not a legitimate one. But we'll see. But I do think that that he the communication with Notre Dame has picked back up from what I understand a little bit recently. Uh, same with Clemson. Uh, I think that that just I think there was a time where Ronan and his family just wanted to kind of silence everything. But it came out of that silence still determined. I mean, it's like one day we're hearing from a source that he's he that, that based on conversations, the Notre Dame staff feels really good. And then the next day, the Clemson staff just talked to him and they feel really good. And that's kind of where we're at with him. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see who can close. And that's, you know, th- this is a big test for Chancey Stuckey to me. He got two guys that, you know, that he already kind of led for. You know, he had a great relationship for at Baylor and that made a lot of sense at Notre Dame. You got Rico Flores partly because the top school that he wanted bailed out. And this is the one you have – like, this is the one you you should have won this one. This one should be over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't get it done. So, well, so far. Hasn't got it done so far. It's got to close. This is going to be a big, big test for him, in my opinion. It's closing time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 99 problems. BK1 with this receiving group, hoping 24, 2024 keeps it up. Do we want more of a point guard quarterback to distribute the ball or – than the ball than a dual threat quarterback. I don't accept the premise, Ryan. I don't think a I th- dual I think threat quarterback. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You, you always want to. And, and what I'll say to this is, do we want more of a point guard quarterback? If you're if you're talking about a point guard quarterback in the traditional sense, not necessarily. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I still want a guy that can make plays with his legs. And a perfect example is Alabama and the 2021 national championship. What if you get into a game and two of your dudes go down? Right. Right. Miami goes into the title game against Ohio State in 2012. Willis McGee, he tears his knee up. I think there was like one other injury that happened. And all of a sudden, that big talent advantage you had is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, as good as Bryce Young is, and he is tremendous, he is not capable of putting a team on his shoulders and saying, I got this the way that Trevor Lawrence could. That's what makes Trevor Lawrence different. That's what made Trevor Lawrence truly special is they could go out against Ohio State in 2019. Receivers aren't catching balls. They're getting jammed at the line. ETN can't get going. So Trevor's like, I got this. He could go rush for 100 yards against great defense and then and lead his team to victory. Bryce can't do that. Bryce is the ultimate point guard quarterback. He is like, if you're going to design it in the lab to be as good as it can be, Bryce Young is the is the point guard quarterback. Would you Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah. But he's yeah, not because yep. it, it, it's I'm smart. I'm accurate. I get the ball where it needs to get to. I can mm-hmm. run this system like a champ. That to me is the is a point guard quarterback. And he's as good of a point guard quarterback as you're going to get. But sure. at the end of the day, if you give me the best type of point guard quarterback I have and the best type of dual threat quarterback I can have, I'm going to still win more games with the dual threat quarterback because to win a championship, stuff's going to go wrong sometimes. Sure. And you need your quarterback to put the team on his shoulders and say, I got this. 
and that's what Trevor Lawrence could do, and and that's what Joe Burrow could do at times, mm-hmm. and that's what Bryce Young has not proven he can do, and that's what C.J. Stroud has not proven he can do, and that's what makes them really, really good quarterbacks from the elite of the elite, if that makes sense. And so I would always like a dual-threat quarterback, but I don't want a dual-threat quarterback that can't run the offense, complete passes, get the ball where it needs to get to. Those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, and that was, I think, the point Ryan was going to make. Yeah, well, it's it's the simple fact of the improvisation side of the quarterback position is more important now than it ever has been. To your point, Brian, it's like mm-hmm. when things aren't right, you have to be able to get a team out of it, right? You have to work out of the pocket. You have to use your legs to be a threat. You have to extend plays. You have to throw right. for multiple platforms, do all that type of stuff. But I think that does – miss the point that you still need the baseline of being able to be an accurate quarterback and get the ball out of your hands. It's just when things aren't going well, you also need to manage chaos. So I was just saying that I think that they can all be the same. I don't think Mm -hmm. it necessarily has to be one exclusive thing because if you're just an improviser and that's all you are and you don't have that baseline, you're not a great player to start with, right? right? Like you need that baseline. Trevor Lawrence could get the ball out of his hands and he could do the quick game and he could do those types of things. To your point, what made Trevor Lawrence special was also when there was a quick pressure or the game was on the line, he could do those things to extend the football, work out of the pocket, do all that type of stuff. That's what makes that. That's what separates a player. And I think that you need both of those things in today's game. I and and he followed up too. He says I meant more like Wimbush is a dual threat, not Trevor. Wimbush wasn't a dual threat though. Wimbush was a running quarterback. I mean, the whole point of him struggling at times is he was not a dual threat quarterback. He was a they runner. Made, they, they turned him into an option quarterback. Right. Basically. I mean, he completed. He barely completed fifty yeah. percent of his passes. That's not a dual threat quarterback. That's a running. That's a your point. I think you nailed. That's a borderline. That's a. That is an option quarterback running a spread offense, a pro style sp- a if, spread offense. If, I mean, if he would have played, if he would have played at Georgia Tech in the Paul Johnson era, he would have been a fantastic football player. Right. To that role. with what like, Notre Dame yeah. turned him into, 100%. correct. I think you nailed that. Yeah. They turned him yeah. into that. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's the thing is like when when you say not Trevor, to my my point is, but that's not a dual threat quarterback. It would be. Do you want to? point guard quarterback or in the in the antithesis of that is a running quarterback a dual threat to me is what everybody should want joe burrow's a dual threat quarterback would you agree with that now there's there's varying degrees of dual threat quarterback there's a kyler murray type of dual threat quarterback and then a joe burrow slash trevor lawrence type of dual threat quarterback one is going to make a living doing that the other one can if you don't respect it and he's athletic and he can go make plays that's kind of what i'm referring to I'm not even referring to the Kyler Murray version of it. I'm referring to, uh, I think, more of what I think Tommy Reese ultimately would like to have. And that's the funny thing is Trevor Lawrence has turned – or, I mean, uh, Tyler Buckner looks more like a Kyler Murray type than a Trevor Lawrence type skill set-wise, right? We're not talking talent. We're talking skill set. But he wasn't that when they recruited him. What people got to remember is they got a commitment from Tyler Buckner before his junior year when he went out and rushed for 1,600 yards and 20 touchdowns. And he was athletic, but he was a pocket kid early on. And, mm-hmm. you know, that just kind of became a big part of what he does. So it's it's actually to see that evolution is is, is pretty interesting. 
George Delaney says, regarding Edwards' lack of length, I'm taller than him, but never had the ability to accelerate into an overthrow like he obviously can. To me, that covers a few inches in catch radius. But see, that's not what we're referring to. We're not talking about a guy just throwing it as far as you can like Will Fuller against Stanford. We're talking right. about him running a deep in cut or a, or a curl route or a crossing route where you're running a five-yard crossing route and you're 5'8", and I got to get the ball over top of six foot three to six foot four defensive linemen. I can't. I got to find a throwing lane to throw it to because you're not 6'2", where I can throw it over top and you go up and get it. If I'm right. running an in-cut and I throw that ball high for a 6'2 guy, a 5'8", 5'9", guy's not getting to it. And it has nothing to do with speed. Speed is irrelevant to that, what we're referring to. Speed mm -hmm. is irrelevant to does a curl route go too high and hit the top of his fingers and then get flipped, you know, popped up and the cover three cornerback playing behind him is picking it off. Right. That's what we're referring to. That doesn't have anything to speed. Your point is correct, George, in regard to the, the vertical stuff, right? The the yep. goal routes, the post routes. You're absolutely the deep drag stuff. You're spot on. You can throw that deep he, drag out into that hole and just let that sucker, let him run into it. Your great point, George. What we're referring to, however, is not that type of route. We're talking about the stuff where he is a in-working target and you've got to put the ball on a line, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't throw like the deep drag. I'm throwing out over top of the defense. He's got to run under it. The deep end cut, I'm throwing over a linebacker in front of a safety. And if I miss high right. and he can't get to it, that's an interception. And that's kind of what we're referring to. I, I think of like even intermediate to deep touch, right? Where like you're just kind of finessing it to a spot. Like, yes, to George's point, that kid, that kid can accelerate to the spot on the field. But for me, Brian, it's like if I'm a wide receiver and I'm at the point of contact, I'm at the catch point right? And the ball is a little bit high to your point, or it's a little bit too far outside, or it's a little bit underthrown. That is the separation with length that we're talking about. It's not mm -hmm. that he can't get to a spot. It's that when the spot isn't perfect, how can he maneuver and create the catch point? That mm -hmm. is what I'm, that's what I'm talking about anyway. Right. Agree with that. But I, I, I like, where he's coming from there though, Ryan, like that's the sure. stuff that we love on this chat. When people think about like, well, hold on a second. You said this, but what mm -hmm. about this? It's a great comment and a great point. And I think that that's partly why we like him at receiver is because you're not going to throw the back shoulder one-on-one -on -one to him, but you know what you are going right. to do? Hey, Tyler, CJ, Steve, Drew, whoever the quarterback is, we're throwing a bomb here. We're got cover one. He's got man coverage. Drop back, look the safety off, and then throw that sucker as far as you can. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And let him run under it. He's that out somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And you need guys right. like that. And you can, I think you can do that with Braylon to a degree mm -hmm. because he's tall and fast. Dylan is a different type of fast. Yeah. And, and this is the fastest kid they've had since Will Fuller, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. you just haven't had that guy. You can just say, man, just throw it and let him go get it. And I, that's a great weapon to have. I, I think of Tyreek Hill, right? It's like right. Tyreek Hill is running a deep over route. You don't really see him clearing yet, but you're like, okay, that space on the opposite side of the field is open. So I'm going to just get it out, finesse it out there if I'm Patrick Mahomes and let him run under and catch it, right? Like that's what I think of when I think of this type of kid. Yes. It's a, it's a whole different type of speed. And so George is, is spot on with that part of it. We had a super chat from Randy Hernandez, my guy, Randy. Thank you, buddy. With 23 recruits, I guess Notre Dame will probably get 26 kids. Surprise recruit in Pemba. What do you think, guys? 
that's, I think that's an ideal yeah. class. <laughs> yeah, ideal we, right we forgot to mention him earlier on defense, and I always forget about Samuel LePen because he's so far away from deciding. But, yeah, they're still in there. I think I think they're one of the top three schools for Mpemba, mm-hmm. and they still have an official visit to go. But, yeah, I mean, so I think they're – I think so they're at 23 now. I think they're going to get a quarterback. I don't know who. I think they need at least one of the two skilled players, hopefully both, and that would get them to 26. Then yeah. it becomes, can you get him Pemba? Can you flip a Jason Moore? That would be the kind of or, thing that would be left do, on the target. Or, or do you keep going after one of the other couple edges? That Caleb just, Herring. Yes. Right. If you decide you purchase, definitely want a fifth right. guy. Right. Exactly. Right. 100%. Exactly. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I think th- now we're back to potentially 26, 27 again. Right. Which is kind of the max of where we always fought, thought Notre Dame uh, was going to be in this class. That was as, about as high as you can go. And that's mm-hmm. going to require them to kind of pass on some guys on the current roster. Right. And, and as far fifth year guys or potential sixth year guys, but they're willing to do that for the right players. And the guys we're talking about are all guys you make room for. I mean, Jeremiah Love, Ronan Hannafin, Samuel and Pemba are all guys you make room for. In my opinion, there's no question about that. All right, let's get back to last couple questions here. Uh, we have something from Ape Gambino. Thank you for that. I, I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, I've been, because otherwise it is going to be way different. I've been saying I wouldn't trade our two-year stretch of defensive recruiting 22 and 23 with any other program. Maybe biased, but love the strength, length, speed, and versatility. Great job as always, guys. Honestly, if you're being biased, so am I. Yeah. I mean, I'm look, I try really hard at this job. And this is a comp Ryan and I had this conversation when we when I when we were going through the process and this. I think I think this is one of the reasons you wanted to jump on board, Ryan, was we're gonna give real analysis. You know, right. we're Notre Dame fans, but we're not Notre Dame homers. There's a difference. Yeah. And our reputation to and, and look, we've I've built Irish breakdown on the back of hey, he's made some things that were he said some things that weren't widely accepted that have turned out to be accurate, even though they weren't well-received. And that's something that that I told Ryan I want from him. And one of the reasons I tried to hire him is because he'll take stances, even some I didn't agree with. And that's one of the things I liked about Ryan is, is when I would disagree with him and we'd have personal conversations, and uh, there was, but we would talk ball about it. And I could at least understand where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're going to give you our honest opinion. We may be wrong. We we may not always get it right, but it is going to be as honest as we can. And we we know we are Notre Dame fans. And so yep. we think about that when we're like, so right now we're working on the SI 99 rankings with the guys at SI All-American and, and we're kind of giving our input. And we really have to make sure that we're really thoughtful that we're not pushing for a kid because he's a Notre Dame kid. And yep. I think that's an important thing because – if we just start taking Notre Dame Homer stances, eventually you all are going to stop listening. And you should, to be honest with you, if we're just blowing smoke and we're just, everything is rosy and sunshine and rainbows. And honestly, because of how good this class has gone, I've had to think like, dude, are we kind of being too optimistic? Are we just kind of turning into the sunshine pumpers? <laughs> We've had this conversation because it's like, it's just like every kid is that good. But then when you look at how others rank them, even some of the guys that we think are underranked by some people, I mean, mm-hmm. 12 of their 23 kids are ranked in the top 100 by somebody else. That's not Notre Dame bias. If anything, there's more anti, there's there's negative Notre Dame bias out there, and you're yep. still seeing these rankings. So honestly, the only thing I would say, if they just could have got one more safety last year, I would be 100% on board with you. 
I just still feel like they are probably a safety in last year's class away from having the perfect class. But I, even then, I still don't know anyone. I, I'm not trading them with Texas A&M. First of all, A&M's 2023 defensive class is not that great, right? Uh, as far as they're still filling it up is what I'm sure. you know, They're still in the infancy stage of filling it up. So they're, they're a ways away. But even then, even with Anthony Hill at linebacker, mm-hmm. I still am not taking their defensive class because they only signed one linebacker last year, and they got one linebacker this year. Notre Dame can put a starting defense on the field plus a sub at safety if they want to go nickel with the 2023 class. Forget the fact they signed the best linebacker class in the country last year and two other defensive linemen that were ranked as top 100 caliber recruits last year by at least one service in Aiden Gobire and Tyson Ford. That's other people's ranking. And then Josh Burnham moves there. You got two corners that were four-star recruits and, and, and relatively highly ranked by some people. And that's not even close to as good as this year's class is because of the, the difference in safety. Is yep. really what it comes down to. And the the last year's D-line class had two really good players in it. This year's D-line class has four really good players in it. <laughs> so, you know, you're you're talking about just two years in a row where you have added depth and impact. I mean, Ryan, not just good players across the board. You've added difference makers at every single level. And if you even want to go to where to separate all three levels up the middle and on the perimeter, if you want to separate mm-hmm. it that way, because sometimes I think, because like technically corners are on a second level if you really want to get technical about it, right? Sure. So I like to go all three levels in the perimeter. They've added impact players at all, at least one, sometimes sometimes two. That's why I say safety is the only place where I don't think they've added two impact players. I think Don is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't put him quite on the same level yet as Peyton Bowens and Jalen Sneeds and Drake Bowens and Jay sure. Nosbury's and guys like that just yet. Right, sure. Micah Bell, Christian, uh, my my opinion of, of Benjamin Morris and guys like that. But when you're splitting hairs about a Don Schuler, you're doing pretty good. Yes, right, and that's yep. that's the reality of it. So I mean, yeah, I, let's. You know what I'd love for you to do is bring this comment back after December. And what I mean is not a like, well, let's see how. No, I would love to have this conversation again when we have a more full look of what everybody signed in 2023. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Uh, but I uh, appreciate the comment. And then uh, Chris Wiegand, Wiegline, absolutely huge. After missing out on Xavion Bradshaw last year, this is huge. I, I was team Bradshaw because of you, Brian. Thank you. Uh, this is awesome. Love what uh, – love – would be what RB two or wide receiver one uh, with all respect, he'd be RB one. He'd be yes. RB two from a timing standpoint, but he would be RB one in my opinion. Do you agree I with agree. that Ryan? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that he has a lot of upside as a the top running back in the 2023 class. If you're able to get a Jeremiah Love, mm-hmm. I view Jane Lamar as the really the more of the really good complementary skilled right. running back. Like that's what I kind of see. But I think that again, I've talked about this like Jeremiah Love is 6'1, 190 plus pounds right now, close to 200 pounds right now. That kid's going to be 6'1", 210, 215 right. in like a flash. You're going to blink your eye and be like, he looks like CJ Procise now. Like that's right. just what's going to happen. You, you know, know that's my comp for him. You know, I love that yeah. comp for him. Body type, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a whole lot of sense. Agreed. And I just think there's a little bit of elusiveness, elusiveness to Jeremiah Love that did not exist in Josh Adams' game. At least not that's this fair. junior year version of Josh Adams, in my opinion. That's very so fair. we'll uh, we'll kind of see how it plays out in that regard. And then we had a uh, comment, a question down here from Ian Johnson: Micah Bell or Dylan Edwards? Who wins in a foot race? I I would say that I would probably pick Micah yeah. Bell, but I think it's a very close race. Yeah. I don't think it's a runaway at all. Like I think it's a competitive race. I I would say it'd be competitive race, but Micah Bell would definitely win it. I mean, I, I think when I look at Micah Bell, I'm talking about a guy his his track times translate more to the low four three range. Than the high four three range, and Dylan Edwards is more in the high four three range. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this: I would be willing to bet that the shorter the race, the better chance that he would have to win it. Dylan Edwards, because his his birth his first step is great. It sure is. The, if yep. we're talking about a, I'll put it if it's a if it's a forty yard dash, I think Dylan Edwards would have a much better chance of being really close than a hundred or a two hundred meter dash. That's fair. Because Mike is longer. He's a lot longer. So any, any jump, any, any, let's say first step that Dylan Edwards might get over Micah Bell, if that even is true, because I don't even know if that's a given because Micah Bell's explosive. Let's just say hypothetically, he gets a jump in 40 yards. Micah, I think could overcome it slightly in a hundred yards. It's, it's a, it's a wrap. I mean, because of his, his, his excel. I mean, we showed in that one track meet. Right. Mm-hmm. We're like kind of the start. You know, again, you're not exploding out as fast as you can have a 200 meter dash. I mean, or 400 meter dash. I mean, you was it a 200 or 400 that that race was in 200, 200. You know, you're not necessarily fast as you can. It's a pace sprint. You know, you come out fast, but you then once you get that turn, you accelerate. Right. Accelerate was, out the turn. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he was kind of ahead, but then he came out of that sucker and just like, I mean, that gap, that that lead went like this. It was nuts. And I think that would happen in the in this type of race too. But the fact that we're even, as much as we've raved about Micah Bell, the fact that we're even asking this question, <laughs> and again, not laughing at you, Ian, because it's a legitimate question, is just kind of what, I mean, that's what gets you excited, man. I mean, that's what's got to get you pretty fired up about, about what this recruiting class is, Ryan. I mean, it's just, you know, the fact that we're not even talking about, I mean, Peyton Bowen should be in this conversation too, because he didn't lose to Dylan Edwards by but a step at the at the future 50 thing. I mean, he barely beat him. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it's 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 a it's an impressive thing to see with Notre Dame. I want to see I want to see a four by one hundred against any other program in the country in 2023. Yep. I just want to see it. I want to see it. Yep. If they get, especially uh, if they get Jeremiah Love, then I'm like, yeah, right, let's let's run it back, baby. If you're one. Notre Dame's indoor track coach. And I don't know if they have a different – I don't know if it's the same head coach. I'm not sure how that works, if it's the indoor track coach is also the outdoor track it's coach. It's usually the same. Usually okay. the same, yeah. Yep. If I'm their track coach, mm-hmm. I am – I'm going to do whatever I can to become Marcus Freeman's best friend. Like, I'm going to 
I don't care what I got to do. Because the reality is Troy Pride was Notre Dame's best, best sprinter for a couple of years at Notre mm-hmm. Dame. And his track times don't even come close to Micah Bell's track times. And I'd be willing to bet you wouldn't be quite as good as if Peyton Bowen took track seriously and Dylan Edwards took track seriously. And Braylon James's 110-meter hurdle times are pretty flipping good too. Sure. And, and Micah Bell's long jump time was insane. 24 and a half feet on the same day. He ran a, a 10, four, six in the hundred and a 28, nine in the 200, which was the fifth best 200 time in the entire country last year. He also jumped to 24 and a half feet in the long jump. It's like <laughs> that's really Stop good. Stop that. Stop that's that. really good. So yes, if I'm, if I'm Notre Dame's track coach, I am trying to buddy up to Marcus Reed as much as I can say, look, you know, it might be good for you to let us have them in the winter. Instead of the strength, you know, it might be good for you to let us have them for a couple months. You know, after after the national championship game is over, you know, can we can we just have those guys for a couple months? You know, we'll, we'll do right by them. Hey, you need a Ruth Chris every week? Cool, we'll, we'll we'll do Ruth Chris every week. Whatever you need, man. Need a Ruth pizza Chris, delivered to your Ruth house Chris every day for your five kids, six kids? We'll do that. We'll t- we'll take care of pizza dinners every Friday night at your house for the next year. I, I do whatever it takes to let Mike to convince Marcus Freeman to let some of the twenty twenty three commits. You know, hey, you guys want to have Jadarian, you know, help Jadarian Price get back up to speed? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, do what you got to do. That would be steak. Steak sounds nice. I would yeah. take that deal, yeah, no doubt. I got a, uh, I got a pot roast up in the crock pot that I put up there this morning, Ryan. If you want to come over and have that, That's had a, a ten-hour drive, a little New York yeah. strip on the grill the other night when Angela was out of town. Ooh, well, because I like steak with, mu- I like mushrooms with steak, mm. and she is allergic to mushrooms, number one, but then she hates the smell of mushrooms. I don't like mushrooms either. Yeah, I love mushrooms. So, like, whenever she's out of town, I'm staking mushrooms. I'm staking mushrooms in my house. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) Garth Cassidy with Super Chat. He says, do do, you see here? I'm not I, sure what I think. There's a word missing there. Uh, I, I think I think he's asking if Notre Dame it, with Edwards, if yeah. Notre Dame is lucky enough to get love, could it be a Rocket and Ricky Waters comparison? Uh, sort of. I, I mean, I, I hate I hate this expression, the poor man's. Mm-hmm. But if there's a a a, a, a a way to express that without it coming across as like that's the, like when you say somebody's a poor man's, it kind of is like disrespectful. You know what just, I mean? It's just like call, just call it. It's um, like it's like Folkleys. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. We, we can call it, we can call it the Rocket Point Five. Yeah, can do that right. It, that it's, it, nice. Look, here, here's the deal. As fast as Micah Bell is, his his track times aren't close to what Rocket Ismails were. Didn't somebody put in there one time that he ran like a two, a ten two eight something like that? Yeah. yeah, like that's an insane track time, especially for his time. Yes, yeah. that's in the eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he ran a he was supposedly clocked as you know, in the high four twos. Micah Bell's really fast, but he's not that fast. And I think Micah Bell's faster than Dylan Edwards. Now, could the impact be similar in how they're used and the fact that because you know who else doesn't have a guy as fast as Rocket? Every other team Anyone. in the country. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, everyone. But you you talk you're talking about stacking them up against the rest of the college football and not necessarily compared to rocket and Ricky, then yeah, because I think there's a lot of, I think Ricky was shiftier than Jeremiah love a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you know, Ricky was tall. He was a long strider. I mean, Ricky started off at receiver in 1988, him and rocket were at receiver in 88 because he had Mark green and Anthony Johnson at running back. 
Ricky Watts and then, great hands. Yes. And then eventually yeah. Ricky you know, moves to running back. And I, I asked this question on Twitter last week because I went down this rabbit hole of watching 1989 games on YouTube. And I'm and I'm asking myself, was there ever a more dynamic one-two punch? Or I mean one, two, three punch at Notre Dame or anywhere really than Tony Rice, Rocket Ismail, and Ricky Waters on the same team in the same offense. I mean, you talk about how do you go seven and one against uh, top twenty-five teams, top twenty teams really? You know, how do you how do you go a season where in two years where you beat the number one team in the country twice, you beat the number two team in the country three times? Well, it's because you got athletes like Tony Rice, Ricky Waters, and Rocket Ismail. And that's how you do it. Right. And that's what Notre Dame's been missing for the most part. They've had all Will Fuller, but that's also what made that 2015 so team so dynamic is that's the closest Notre Dame has been to that. That year where they had they had Will Fuller and CJ Procise and Josh Adams and Amir Carlisle and Chris Brown was the closest Notre Dame has ever come to that 88 to 90 speed on offense. It is. I mean, as dynamic as Golden Tate was, he was a four four eight guy. Michael Flo was a four four eight guy. You know, I mean, they were they were great players, but this is a different type of dynamic ability. And yeah. I do think that 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 Love and Edwards can bring that kind of big play dynamic ability to the table. I think the Love to Ricky Waters comparison is a lot closer than the Rocket to Edwards comparison because again, Rocket, even though he's only 175 pounds, was exceptionally and extraordinarily strong for his size. When you go watch the kick return against Michigan, he gets hit right in the thigh on that second return, and it bounces off and then goes and runs for a touchdown. You watch him taking handoffs. I mean, they're they're putting up five foot ten, one hundred seventy five pound Rocket Ismail at tailback in the fourth quarter to wear teams out. You know, because they would pound him and then he would just kind of outrun. But they're running him on like ISOs. He's like breaking arm tackles. He was extraordinarily strong, which is partly what made him so good. I don't know if Dylan Edwards is that. I mean, and again, at 175, Rocket was still 20 pounds heavier than what Dylan Edwards is now. And his got great speed, but he doesn't have Rocket speed. But can he have a similar impact running, catching, return game? Yeah. Could he be their most dynamic player on offense in running, returning, and, and, and receiving? Yeah. Because the only guy that's been that close to Rocket in my lifetime is Will Fuller. But Will hmm. Fuller did one of those things. The catching, that's it. He yeah. wasn't getting jet sweeps and revert. I mean, maybe he should have, you know, but he wasn't getting those things. And I don't think he should have because Will was an accelerator. Right. Will wasn't necessarily take a jet sweep and just, you know, shifty and outrun people. Will, you know, that's why he was so good on deep routes because he could kind of get his acceleration going. And then just once he reached top speed, you have no chance. It was over, yeah. Dylan and Dylan and Jeremiah and Micah Bell are and, and Peyton Bowen, the, the thing that I love about them all, right, is they are they are full speed now. Quick, yeah. <laughs> yep. And and that's the key. And that's what I like about about that's how Rocket was and that's how Dylan Edwards gonna be. So long story short, or I could say maybe short story long uh in this instance, I I do I do accept the comparison. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time putting anybody in Rocket's category. From a speed standpoint, I think it's unfair. How he is used, I could see being very similar. With the exception of, the one exception of, you're just not going to put Dylan Edwards at tailback and run ISO with him and counter with him the way that Notre Dame did with Rocket in 88. You're just you're just not. Because also, back then, Rocket was going against teams that were smaller. So his mm-hmm. 5'10", 175 wasn't as small as 5'10", 175 would be now. 
Right. Even with teams being smaller on defense, be, you know, th- than they were, it's still not that big. Now, I remember Ned Volkar looked huge when I'm watching film. He was 6'2", 227. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's an undersized linebacker. You know what I mean? Like now that's Drew White. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I just think that would make it to where just the volume that Rocket did, the all around impact, very similar. Okay. Jeremiah Love is probably not the wide receiver that Rocket was or that Ricky was. But yeah. as a running back, very similar to what Ricky was in college. Very I, I think it's a that's a really interesting comparison. I never even thought about that because R- Ricky was also a little high cut, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of had that like, like Jeremiah. Yeah, had that little you know kind of finesse style, but then also he could put his pads down and he could also do that work as well. So that's an interesting one, Garth. I kind of mm-hmm. like that comparison a little bit. I've never thought about that one because I I mean I remember Ricky especially vividly in the NFL, you know, when right. he was with Seattle and the Eagles and 49ers, he was a great player. So, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, but I mean, the, again, this is the second time somebody's brought up an era of Notre Dame's greatness where we're talking about when they were the program everybody was trying to be that we're not dismissing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not quite to that level, but we're not dismissing it. But again, the point I would make is nobody has Rocketism on their team. So it's not like, oh, well, you're not. Bama doesn't have Rocketism on their team. Georgia doesn't have a, a Rocket Ismail on their team. Clemson doesn't have a Rocket Ismail on their team. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. And that's what made Rocket Rocket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I just love the idea that we're even getting back to this. Uh, you know, that we're getting back to where we can even talk about Notre Dame maybe having guys. And that's the other interesting thing is with Tyler Buckner quarterback, if these guys can get on the field when Ty- during Tyler Buckner's career, this is mm-hmm. going to be stupid, like, just to watch. Athletically. Because yeah. Tyler yeah. is, to me, is we've, – we've seen other quarterbacks as dynamic as Tony, I think. You know, like, mm-hmm. Malik wasn't as fast as Tony, but he was as powerful as Tony could, as, you know – uh, we've seen some other quarterback, you know, Brandon Wimbush, you know, was, was in a similar ballpark to Tony Rice as far as dynamic runner, but we haven't seen that guy then be surrounded by what, you know, what we're like, cause Deshaun Watts Kaiser in 2015 was not as dynamic as Tony Rice. I mean, he was a good sure. player, but he was not Tony Rice. So, but, but Tyler Buckner would be, there's no doubt. Tyler Buckner is, is as dynamic of a player as Tony Rice was in my opinion for his, for his era. If you can put that kind of speed around him, Mm-hmm. Oh boy! I mean, think <laughs> about this. In 2023, Lorenzo Styles is probably not going to be one of the four fastest Notre Dame skill players on offense. It's nice to think about. <laughs> so, yeah, and probably not in the top five overall on the team in speed, which is. Where you yeah. want to be. That's where right. you want to be. Yeah. So. And I, I don't know if there's a better way to end it than that, Garth. That was a, <laughs> a great, a great way to end it. We got to talk about Tony Rice and Ricky Waters and, and, and Rocket Ismail. Uh, you know, it'd be a dream to have one of those guys or all three of those guys on the show in these days. Maybe I need to work on that just because that'd be a that'd be a lot of fun. But anyway, did I tell you how when I walked past Rocket at the blue gold game? Yeah, I was walking in with a buddy of mine. So he he had a one of the uh like the they have like a 
an area that I can't afford tickets to. I certainly think what it's called, but it's like, you know, like the club seats. Yeah. Something. It's like one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm walking into the spring game with him and Pat mm-hmm. Terrell and rocket walk right by me. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything to him. Cause I didn't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like I didn't yeah. want to be that guy that like, you know, but I was like, like that, that's rocket. <laughs> like that was right. <laughs> you know, I was like, got a great beer, but he still looks like he can run. Uh, and Pat Terrell still looks like he can play too, man. Like his face looks exactly like it did when he played. But anyway, uh, that's gonna that's gonna do it. So that's gonna do it for today's show, everybody. I want to thank all of you for being a part of what we did. I want to thank all of you that were uh, patient with uh, the issues that we were having on the the message board last night. I was glad it was on a Friday night and not some other night. But uh, appreciate that. We appreciate all of your support on all of our different platforms and channels. Uh, remind you to hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. And come back and join us. We'll be back Monday. Uh, we'll have, oh, practice. They're, they're uh, talked events from practice today. Just wasn't, they did special teams for most of the practice and then an in individual. That's all they did. There wasn't anything to take away. Jaden Thomas was on the, the bike. So he wasn't going through drills. He was on the bike in full pads. So, and probably just like a little tightness. Usually that just means there's like some tightness in like a quad or a hamstring, nothing nothing major. Uh, so there really wasn't a lot of, to report from practice. I'm going to, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to actually go uh, publish the class impact because I haven't published the class impact yet. Then I'm going to put a practice video, highlight video together. But again, it's not going to be a ton because they were doing mostly special teams. And they were doing like coverage. You know, he said there was a lot of like running and, you know, form like uh, – come to bat, you know, stay in your lane, you know, on coverage and then come to balance and stuff like that. Then they did like a turnover circuit for defense. So there was, wasn't a lot to gather from today's practice. Great stuff for coaches and, you know, good teaching stuff. I mean, it's important stuff to do. It's just not real sexy to put into a practice sport, you know? Uh, so uh, that's why we didn't really talk a lot about practice today. So I just wanted to give you all a heads up on that. So anyway, everybody have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you again here very, very soon on the Irish Breakdown podcast. Thank you, Ray. We appreciate you. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for being us, being with us today. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.